No Gods, No Monsters contains spoilers, profanity, and substance use. Oh man, they wronged you. Why they gotta be like that? You exude a cosmic darkness. Can you see that? Charlie, have any of your bad trips ever been this bad? Uh, no. Well, I mean, are you talking, what's, what's your definition of this being a bad trip? Like the whole movie or just like Nick Cage's experience at the end? Um, uh, probably the love of your life being set on fire, <laughs> having to get revenge and kill like everybody. I mean, I agree with that, but like reliving all of your past <laughs> trauma, all of your <laughs> But I wasn't sure because he didn't start he didn't actually start tripping until after Mandy was already dead. So I was like in some ways that would be a good trip because he's like taking it out on the people responsible and he's, you know, <laughs> Charlie's idea of a good trip is when you, <laughs> in mid-trip, you get the revenge on your enemies. Hell yeah. One by one. That's so, the next that day you're like so heavy. <laughs> the next day you wake up and you're feeling the sense of relief and you're like, man, LSD is very therapeutic. What, what did I do again? <laughs> oh yeah. And you look in the mirror and you're covered in the blood of your enemies. It's yeah, I mean a lot of people when they take psychedelic substances, they do more of like a a mental exploration, a mental <laughs> reckoning. You know, maybe they'll have conversations with someone that they're they they realize that they have beef with and and work it out in their heads and maybe there'll be like a follow-up phone call afterwards but uh yeah you're right taking action actually just getting to it so that that's not even there anymore uh, that's a good trip i guess it's a good trip. um i never really had that bad of a trip uh like there was one time at coachella i was on acid and it, was, it wasn't really a... I wasn't, like, freaking out, but it was, like, a depressing trip because we were with a bunch of people, and then a bunch of them kind of, like, went off together, and I was kind of by myself, and then I came back mm. with, like, their faces painted. They'd all, like, drawn on and painted each other's faces, and I just felt very, like, not part of the... Like, an outsider to yeah. the group, and it just maybe was kind of sad. Um, and then another time, I was on shrooms, and, like... I don't know if you remember back at our old house, we had like Tintin posters on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I remember the one I was with you when it was yeah. on fire. That yeah, was the so that's like the, the only we... like bad trip I've had is like looking at those posters. They kind of like started coming to life, um, and like the, the scenes depicted on the posters were, uh, you know, kind of intense. Um, like yeah, I, I think in one they're like rounded up by Native Americans, they're, like tied up, and um, yeah, I don't know. They just 
the, those posters started coming to life. But then, uh, dude, those mushrooms were tiny. Th- those are the ones we f- that people, our friends, found, and oh, those the cyanicins. Yeah. yeah, and <laughs> that thing was so small, and I remember just hanging with you and being like, "This isn't going to do anything." And then, yeah, <laughs> you were afraid. You were definitely afraid oh, of yeah. Tintin. Um. Yeah. Luckily, our friend, uh, listening to the show, Palmer was there. Um, and he put on a, uh, uh, Brian Eno's Ambient One because he knew I was a huge Brian Eno fan, and that like super calmed me down and took me out of the bad trip. So shout out Hell to. Yeah. To Brian Eno and Palmer. Uh, yeah, thanks hopefully... for uh, bringing the warm jets, Palmer. Yeah. Um, warm jets are supposed to be pissed. Uh, is is a reference to, to urine. Uh, Palmer did not did not urinate on me. Oh. I want to be clear about that. I didn't but... know that. I thought it was about airports. <laughs> <laughs> um, hopefully, Brian Eno and Palmer will have a collaboration coming out soon. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. I uh I I didn't have that. I mean I've I've never had a trip this bad. I've had some some bad ones, not a lot, but some. Going to the hospital on shrooms definitely uh, up there. But uh, the Coachella one reminded me of when I was on way too much ketamine at Coachella, and the Strokes were playing. And I've always like on paper liked the Strokes, but I never liked the Strokes. There was something mm-hmm. wrong to me, and the wind started blowing and like it started raining a little and I was in my mind, it was just like they were doing it. And I was just like, just stop playing and the wind will stop. What's wrong with you? Why are like, I'm looking around like, why is everybody encouraging? (laughs) Yeah. Strokes control the weather. Um, But I didn't smash their heads in and come. So it wasn't quite the same. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of rumors that um, a lot of racist uh, myths that Jews control the weather. No, strokes control the weather. Uh, I do not know. Damn, I've heard China controls the weather. Oh, I yeah, guess I've all heard, the weather I've heard controlling Obama controls is the weather. Um, well, I mean, yeah, but I, yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I've never actually listened to the Strokes. I just want to throw that out there. Um, I'm sure I've wow, heard Wow, Mr. Cool doesn't have a radio over here. <laughs> I'm Too sure I've cool heard for them at some point, but I cannot tell you at all what they sound like. Um, or tell you the names of any of their songs. <laughs> oh, sh- that, that one's a jam. You don't yeah, like that? Yeah, that one's a jam, for sure. No, I do, on paper, but there's something about I'm repeat joking. listens I no where I'm like... What, I have no idea what song you're doing there. <laughs> All right, welcome to No Gods, No Monsters. We're the anti-death cult, kaiju, and monster movie podcast in a world where no one's coming to save us. I'm Rabbit, here with Charlie, who I'm not totally sure is anti-death cult. Uh, And today we're talking about 2018's Mandy. Uh, Death cult, pro, anti? uh, Southern Death Cult, um, which was an early band name for the cult. I believe um, I have a CD of their stuff. It's, 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 I remember enjoying it. It's been probably over decades since I've listened to it, but yeah. So Southern death cult. It's all right. Okay. So, so death cult neutral overall Kaiju and monster movie podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie, do you want to tell us what this movie is about? All right. This one goes out to all those monster hosses, hossets and, Non-binary Hasarinos, I hope you're all having a great day.
or night. 1983, the height of the Reagan years, or as we like to call it here on our Anarcho Monster podcast, the height of human civilization. We find Nick Cage being awesome while, pre- while pretending to be a logger named Red, who is shacked up with a titular Mandy among lots of California trees. The two live an idyllic and loving lifestyle, which is intruded upon by a New Age cult known as the Children of the New Dawn, led by jerk-off personification Jeremiah Sands. Jeremiah becomes obsessed with Mandy after seeing her in a cool-as-fuck Black Sabbath t-shirt one day, and so he has his followers summon acid-damaged hellspawn bikers to kidnap her. Mandy is then forcefully sent on a jet plane to the trip of a lifetime via eyedroppers and wasp stings. However, when Jeremiah attempts to control her, she responds with ridicule and laughter, completely emasculating the jerk-off personification. The cult responds with immolation, a pretty, pretty intense uh, heightened response there. Uh, I think maybe it's... Uh, over over exaggerated, <laughs> a little overkill. Yeah, yeah, overkill. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> for sure. Um, and that turns out to be a big mistake because without Mandy and with a cause for revenge, Nick Cage is one hundred percent unleashed on their asses, and their asses shall not recover. Let's hear some RIPs go around for their asses. LSD. Or as I like to call it, lysergic acid diethylamide. Diethylamide. Did I pronounce that right? Twenty-five. Is is truly awesome and great. Also, I don't actually like Reagan, but for some reason, Rabbit considers him the only good president in American history. The end. It's because I'm an accelerationist. Oh. <laughs> Deep it's down. Panos Cosmatos's Mandy, baby. All right. Well, uh, I mean, right off the bat, uh, I'm assuming you you like this movie, Charlie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was my pick for the movie. Um, the reason why I picked it, I mean, yeah, this was on my list of movies to pick at some point. Uh, I first saw this when it came out in theaters. Anyone in the St. Louis area, there's a really awesome group called Late Night Grindhouse who once a month, uh, Friday and Saturday, they play usually an old horror slash exploitation movie. Every once in a while, they do new movies. Uh, so when this movie came out, they were the first people in um, St. Louis to to play it. It was before it was really starting to get a lot of buzz. So it might have been the only time it played, but definitely the first time it played in St. Louis. And I loved it, and I've seen it a few times throughout the years. And Late Night Grindhouse, this past week, they did a double feature with the director's uh, first movie, uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow, which I also saw in theaters when it first came out, um, along with this movie. So I figured, why not choose that since I'm nice. already going to see it this week? And yeah, yeah, I still, I still love this movie. It's so great, and it's awesome seeing it in theaters. Uh, his movie before this, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Not so great. Very, very boring. Mm. Super, super, just insanely slow. There's lots of like cool imagery and some cool scenes and, and lots of cool ideas behind it, but just painfully, painfully slow. For sure. Yeah. 
Anyways, well, uh, this was your first time seeing this? Yeah, uh, a couple weeks back, um, uh, watched it with some friends, one of whom has seen it many times, and uh, my roommate, listener of the show, Bracken, loves this movie and talks about it all the time, so I knew that I knew a bit about it and I was hyped for it, but it totally lived up to the hype. This movie is fucking crazy. Uh, Yeah. I just spoiler alert. I couldn't pick a shot favorite shot because like almost every shot in this movie is better than any shot in any movie I've ever seen. I know. It's just consistently just fucking gorgeous to look at. Um, Yes. It's brilliantly beautiful. The music is really awesome too, but like nothing compares to the visuals of this movie. They're just so cool. It's just one giant psychedelic journey. And it's not like a lot of psychedelic movies where it's all psychedelic in the same way. Like it's very creative Yeah, Um, from the scene i mean the first one that really really grabbed me was the scene where they're laying like facing each other mandy and um uh red or i'm just gonna call him nick cage probably and like the colors kind of going from one to the other back and forth and it's just so creative and awesome and it was one of those movies where i was like i don't want to know about cameras or lighting Mm -hmm. because i don't want to know how they're doing this i just (laughs) want to be in it like it's so sick hell yeah Um, i'm so glad to hear you liked it so much. Um, I thought I'd watched this with you before. The last time I was in Los Angeles, because I remember uh, I played it over at Zach's house. But I guess that you left before we watched it. Um, and Zach actually was a—he uh, was not the biggest fan. Well, one of the major complaints about this film that people have is that it's all style over substance. I don't, com- I don't completely agree with that. I kind of see where they're coming from, but I don't completely agree with that. Neither do I often see that as, as much as an insult as people seem to think it is. Um, but also, the style yeah. is this great. Like, yes. Hell yeah. Like uh, the title go- cards. And yeah. The- yeah, dude. And it's just cool. They're not – like, this movie's funny. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not taking themselves too seriously. There are jokes. Like, yeah, it's totally. a funny movie. Yeah, and, and- – I was just say, speaking about the jokes, like the director knows that he has Nick Cage um, as yeah. his actor, and he totally utilizes that. But going back to watching with Zach, so he's like this awesome artist, um, and it was funny because he was actually somewhat upset after watching it because he's he had been working on. I think he might still be working on trying to get a script of his produced, uh, and I guess visually this was like mashed up. Uh, completely in his mind with what he wanted for that movie. So he was just like, fuck, I need to completely rethink uh, what I wanted to go for visually because this, because now I know that this shit's already been done. <laughs> um, sure. Which was a uh, very funny, uh, but yeah, he, um, he was like, it's, it looks really cool. I just don't know. I just don't think the director really had any kind of deeper meaning, uh, in mine well we're gonna get into it but as you know i very much disagree with that yeah (laughs) i have read a lot on this movie and i already had some feelings and i think this movie is like like pretty fucking uh i don't know what the word like esoteric or like based on Mm -hmm. pretty intense concepts you know yeah but even if it wasn't it's fun who gives a fuck i know that's that's always one of my problem with when people like have those have that complaint about movies because i watch tons of you know trashy low budget horror movies that yeah they don't have a deeper sometimes they don't have lots of deeper meaning to them but they're still fun as hell um and that's yeah i'm yeah 
Well, way to go after Zach when he can't talk back now. Good, <laughs> good, good for him. I'm not trying to go after it, but I think that is uh, what a lot of like more serious film fans what what they usually complain about this uh, movie with. Like, I I just sure. read through like a few pages of Letterbox reviews, and that seemed to be like one of the the bigger complaints is that a some people find it boring, which I find crazy, but then also that it's style over substance. I think that I can see I don't I didn't find it boring but it's not super rewatchable to me as like a movie that I'm in the whole time it's Mm -hmm. a great the first time I was so in and of course I got blazed as fuck because I knew what I was going into yeah but like I think if I was going to put it on again soon after it'd be a great movie to like have on while like looking at my phone or doing other things because it's like overwhelmingly visually awesome but also like yeah that there's not like a story or narrative Uh that grabs me so i i can get why for some people that might not work even the first time Um, yeah but i wouldn't call this movie boring it's just different i don't know yeah i I mean the first half is slow but not like a bad kind of slow it's just kind of like this huge kind of murky dream that you're just completely emerged in and i think it works very well once again uh, juxtaposed with his prior movie, Beyond the Black Rainbow, I I think he was kind of going for somewhat of a similar thing with that, and I don't think it worked in that movie, but I think he sure. nails it in this movie. Speaking of, like, first half, second half, uh, apparently Mandy dies at the exact second of the middle. Like, the I was, exact middle. I didn't realize the exact second, but yeah, when I was watching I was like, oh shit, like, this is completely cut in, in half between... Yeah. Totally. Uh, Which works super well for me. Um, I don't know if you want to... Oh, one thing. You brought up Reagan in your uh, in your intro. And yeah, there's the... Uh, you pointed out to me Reagan's on the radio in the beginning, mm-hmm. which might just be, as you said, like setting the time. Mm-hmm. But also, this is kind of interesting that it was like a satanic panic kind of thing, right? Oh, yeah. Like, he, he was saying it's... like, oh, there's... I forget what he was saying, but it was like, we should worry about yeah. people who are whatever and yeah. uh, like nick cage is like fuck this and turns it off <laughs> but yeah i remember he mentioned like pornography uh was part of it um that's right yeah and you said he's also in yeah beyond uh, the black rainbow so beyond the black rainbow that also takes place in 1983 or at least the early Whoa. 80s but uh i'm pretty sure it's 1983 too and yeah there's a reagan speech on the tv at one point where he's talking about like the I think he's talking about the weapons gap between the Americans and the Soviets. Oh, uh, God. So, so, yeah. So, I just got uh, finished listening to the Henry Kissinger episode of Beyond the Bastards oh, yeah. <laughs> with the dollop on there, and they talk a lot about the weapons gap, and it's just such a fucking bullshit thing. Anyway. Yeah. Another no, time, another that, place. That move, that, listening to that podcast, I listened to a lot of it at work, but then I listened to it on the way home, and it's like, now I can finally respond and just yell fuck over and over. <laughs> <laughs> um. But but yeah, uh, once again, it, it it might just be just uh, including them just to help set the setting because in both movies, like there isn't really anything, there isn't much pointing towards that it takes place in 1983, really, For besides sure. that. Um, but This one, I wouldn't have been able to pin it down, but they did a good job with like people's looks and yeah. like the technology. But yeah, you wouldn't um, have known the exact... Yeah. I mean, also just, like, the style of the film itself is very much yes. a throwback uh, to then. Uh, 
which I, I was trying to find it. I remember looking at a quote or something where he talks about how his style is. Uh, so his dad was a director. Um, his dad, I can't remember his first, I can't remember his name, but he did a uh, Cobra and uh, the second Rambo movie. Um, but yeah, so Panos, I guess, talks about how his style is, he sees it as like, his mom is also a sculptor. So he sees it as the merging of like his father style with his okay. mom's more avant-garde sculptor style as well with uh he finally remembers going to the video stores in the early 80s and kind of just merging with that kind of uh feel of nice. the video store he used to go to and i believe i read somewhere that he made this movie as a way of dealing with both of his parents death mm-hmm. um so yeah interesting that his style has taken so much from his parents and then he's incorporating in a film kind of about that loss and yeah grief interesting Okay, so one thing about this movie is that obviously, like, it's a narrative and, you know, at some point a lot of drugs are taken, so things are going to be weird. But there's a lot going on that just can't be real, right? Um, And I don't know. I've seen this movie described as fantasy, as sci-fi. I Part of me thought, like, when I was watching it, oh, it's all a metaphor. Oh, it's all in Nicolas Cage's head. Like, there's stuff that's happening that in the world that was like, that couldn't be happening, you know, like Mm -hmm. he's wearing a tiger t-shirt and there's a fucking tiger or (laughs) her paintings are what he's in later. I never even put the fact, I never put it together that he's wearing a tiger shirt and there's a tiger and how there's a connection there. Yeah. And like, yeah, she's like, he's like, what are you drawing? And she's like jungle temple. And the end is in a jungle temple. Like everything. Like, and there's the two moons from the thing she was reading in the book at the end. Like, there's the tower that he saw in his hallucination is where he goes to meet the alchemist. Like, there's so many things uh, that couldn't be happening, which is great. And I don't think there's an answer, but I think the movie is asking us to think about all the different options of what could be explaining this, you know? Yeah, Um, I I did not see a lot of those connections. I did notice the the primordial sky being a reference to the book. mm -hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, I didn't even notice the, the, the temple, the, the tower he goes to the tiger, man, this is why we do this. So I can learn more about movies from your perspective. <laughs> yeah. And the tiger, like she had drawn a tiger too, I think, um, yeah. there's so many and, uh, the, I, so I read, but I haven't seen it. And the second time I was kind of distracted when I watched it, so I didn't see it, but I read that at some point him and Mandy are wearing the same shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I, I noticed this on my last rewatch and I was going to bring that up. Um, okay. Yeah. When she gets taken in by the cult, she's wearing a 44 shirt. And then yeah. I noticed when he was captured by the bikers, he was also wearing the 44 shirt. And he said, that's my favorite shirt. So yeah, I think there's a lot then, going on there. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. He says it's his favorite shirt. And then when he's fighting the biker, uh, he goes, you ripped my shirt. You ripped my shirt. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think it's more than just a shirt to him. And yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and it's kind of interesting too, that like, you know, if they're both wearing it and part of me makes like, I, spoiler alert, I'm going to talk about some like psychological psychoanalytic readings of this movie in a bit, Mm -hmm. which I think could point to this all being kind of in Nick Cage's head. And so if, if Mandy, without going too far into it, if Mandy is 
just a part of him, just like everyone else. But if, if Manny's just a part of him, they would look the same. They'd be wearing the same shirt. And the shirt itself is two numbers that are identical, 44. Yeah. Um, which is like like a doubling. I don't know what it means. It just – it begs questions and I think yeah. it's really interesting. Yeah. Well, and she's wearing it um... – you know, it's it's like an oversized shirt, so you know, lots of. Okay. Lot, it seems like it's his shirt that she's wearing as like a night shirt type of yeah. thing. Um, sure. But then he's wearing the shirt himself, so. So yeah, Which I guess think... in my mind, I was kind of thinking maybe he just had the same shirt, but then he was also saying, "It's my favorite shirt," but maybe it's his favorite shirt because they both have the same shirt. To, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and there's also there's other scenes of like people maybe implying that people are the same like when jeremiah is looking at her face when she's like tripping in that room and his face starts to become her face mm -hmm. and then go back to his face do you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah i i love that uh as a side yeah. note oh good i i feel like that must be a reference to the movie persona by ingmar bergman have you ever seen that okay no all right so that's that movie is about um it's Liv Ullman and uh, blah, blah, blah. I can't think of the other actress, but um, one of them is uh, is an actress and she goes to this private island where she has a nurse taking care of her because she's having some um, uh, some issues, some mental issues. And like as the movie goes on, their kind of um, personalities start kind of like overlapping and uh and there's like a famous shot where their faces are overlapped on top of each other. Okay. So I feel and like that that's has interesting. to be. Which, which is interesting too, because like, again, I'm going to in a bit point to some like psychoanalytic readings of this. And mm -hmm. if that's referencing possibly a movie where somebody with mental health issues is having a doctor take care of them and his last movie, right. Has a evil therapist in it. Yeah. Um, it does seem like a through line. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, obviously, one of the explanations for shit not making sense uh, and all these connections we're talking about is drugs. Um, yeah. So I like them. You like them. Reagan famously did not like them. But hey. That's where the one thing me and him don't agree on. Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. At least two of the three people on this podcast like them. Yeah, totally. That's just a fact. Um, so I don't even know where to start. There's so many goddamn drugs in this movie. It's insane. Uh, first thing that comes to mind is, man, in the scene where the alchemist is dipping the blotter in the acid barehanded, like, yeah. I have a guttural react. Like, my body tenses up. It's just like, no! Like, I don't want to be gone for a year. Hey, man. If you do, you can telepathically communicate with Nick Cage and uh, uh, hang out with a tiger all day. <laughs> I don't think that guy can telepathically connect with even himself. But <laughs> I, I, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's so many aspects. There's like, you know, I, I guess we could start with, you know, Nick Cage starts out sober, and yeah. it's implied he's an alcoholic? Yeah. Well, I mean, in one of the first scenes, or in the first scene, he's on a helicopter with, because uh, he's a logger, and he's with another another logger, and the guy offers him, like, a sip of his beer, and he shakes his head no. Um, 
Yes. So right there is the first indication. But then, uh, yeah, after he he wakes up um, halfway through the movie after Mandy's after he's watched Mandy uh, burn to death, he he goes in the bathroom and he has a bottle of vodka stashed away in there, which yeah. is not something that's usual like like that's very Not a normal spot yeah for, uh, <laughs> entertaining guests <laughs> that scene is incredible Dude. Uh, just when i first so saw this that was probably my favorite scene it's just like that's like the most like nick cage unleashed part of it uh, part of this movie yes. where he's just like Which, <laughs> downing and it, vodka that shows his talent because like he doesn't have a chainsaw he doesn't have a a, a silver axe he isn't <laughs> splitting somebody in half it's just him in a room yeah. one shot being great like just, pouring it on himself like <laughs> oh and that bottle is empty at the end like god yeah. i wonder how many takes that was but yeah, uh, it kind of shows you what a slippery slope relapse is. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, this might be just completely me reading something to that that isn't there, and this might sound really stupid, but there's something about it where how he gets loose, and then he just goes and passes out on the couch, and then he wakes up and starts drinking. Like I feel for most people they would just immediately grab the vodka. But I feel like, I feel like there's something to him where he's just like, Oh yeah, everything's fucked. Now I can just fucking start drinking. Where it's kind of like this realization that came after the fact where, yes, I took it as he was in shock. Yeah. And he couldn't actually process what was happening. And his body just had to shut down. Like, you know, people freeze during horrific stuff. And then it comes Mm -hmm. back later. That's, that's probably more like correct. Trauma. I mean, they're. I mean, they're both just different descriptions of the same yeah. thing, basically. But yeah, because um, yeah, I don't know. I, as a one of the things about me that I think is very like stereotypical man like is that I don't feel things in the moment. Usually, it takes a while and it hits me later. So I definitely like identified with that. Although I've never seen anything that fucked up happen, so I don't know how I would respond. Yeah. but I might have a drink or two. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. There's so many amazing drugs in this. Uh, <laughs> like the the fucking jar. Yeah. Uh, so I get <laughs> that's just supposed to be like super insanely condensed LSD. Is is, is well they. I assumed, yeah, that that was the bad batch, quote yeah, unquote, which I don't really bad <laughs> condensed. I don't LSD. understand what a bad batch could be because, like, you either make LSD or you don't. I know, but that's that my understanding yeah, too. <laughs> it must have been pretty strong based on what happened as soon as he fucking touched <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Incredible uh, shot, so good. That I love that. Yeah, he just takes a little little tongue of on off his finger and it just yeah. boom <laughs> i mean it turned these fucking bikers and uh these uh hellraiser creatures yes. <laughs> so crazy like the lsd was so wild that it created an entire mythology for a cult out of <laughs> yeah. these people like <laughs> so wild also just yeah i mean the cocaine like that's a lot of cocaine uh 
<laughs> that was a lot of cocaine. Where did I, they get their money? <laughs> yeah, I know. I was wondering that too. Like, is uh, because this is like out in the middle of nowhere too. Uh, so it's yeah. just <laughs> totally. I mean, I guess they get their money curing uh, acid for acid dealers. Um, for sure. In so the deleted scene I checked out before we watched this, I had read it expanded on their mythology some. Um, I wasn't fully paying attention because I was trying to get ready, but uh, it's it's a scene where the guy's describing them. Um, the, the guy in the trailer is describing them to Nick Cage, but yeah, he yeah. talks about how they're like nomadic characters, like uh, wandering cool. around, which kind of opened up a different dimension because to me before I, I felt that they were just like stationed in this one it, it kind of felt that they were just stationed here um it, but he I mean, talks about how they're must, nomadic they must not have that long of a range if they can come when the horn of abraxas is called i know yeah um, well that that's like one thing that i was just always wondering about them like is there is there actually something more, some more power going on here outside of yeah. the human realms? Because they yeah, had the Horn of Abraxas thing, and uh, yeah, um, and, yeah, it's, and, it seems like yeah. like maybe the acid caused them to tap into uh, another realm of power or something. I don't know. I mean, I feel like this this movie is like it's like there is the way I read it is that there's no one answer mm -hmm. is that you can look at it as all like a bunch of that stuff's not actually happening. Cause so many people are tripping. We don't know whose trip we're on or, uh, which the, you know, they kind of hint to of like, uh, with, with Jeremiah, we're all, it's his story or something and we're all part of it. Or it's a fantasy world and it's literally mm -hmm. just fantasy world. Cause you know, I mean, there's trippy shit going on way before Nick Cage does acid who I'm yeah. assuming is the protagonist. Um, there's religious shit where, like, maybe this is some weird Gnostic reality, which, like, I don't know a ton about Gnosticism, but, like, Abraxas is a trickster demon that, like, oh, shit. makes you think he's God. And, like, Whoa. yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of... I think it's all true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's such a trip. Yeah, that... That's awesome. I didn't know that about Abraxas. Um, uh, Abraxas is a lot of stuff. I'm going to go into another one in a minute. But yeah, that that was a big reading people had. And I, I don't know shit yeah. about Gnosticism, so I don't want to go too far into it. But I, I know it has a lot. A lot of people are into like weird philosophical stuff, like talk about overlaps with Gnosticism and, you know, the idea that like there is a god, but he's not the only god, and he's kind of not looking out for you. Totally fits with this fucking movie. Uh, one of the things I really liked about this movie is that even though like there isn't really a, a much of a storyline here, um, it's kind of like the Dark Souls series, and that there just seems to be like this implied lore to stuff yes. that like you really yes. want to discover, like the reaper um a horn of abraxas they had that yes. that dagger with like an eye on the handle that they stab him with um there just seems to be like just like this kind of implied a, a deeper crazy stuff uh that's around the edges of this that you just kind of want to learn more about uh, that begs you to fill in the gaps which yeah, we're yeah. doing right now like it's i love that yeah 
one of the like kind of psychedelic readings that I had is that like almost some of this, like especially Jeremiah, is like the dark side of common like stereotypical psychedelic revelations. You know, like the <laughs> we're all one, man. I would like to take that as we're all one. So like if you get hurt, it hurts me. But he <laughs> like doesn't go that far. He get he stops short. And so it's like we're all one. So like you're mine. <laughs> like it's like if you don't yeah. get all the way, then you're a fascist. You have to go a little farther to see that it you know what I mean? Like Yeah, it's totally a trip. <laughs> uh. Um, uh go ahead. I just say another thing about Jeremiah is just I feel like there's an intentional juxtaposition there where we're seeing all this stuff with Mandy and uh Cage where like their whole life is seems to largely be based around this kind of mutual love of each other and their enjoyment of just existing with each other in this place. And then you cut to this uh this cult where the leader Jeremiah Sands, you know, is supposed to be this this religious cult about love and he's just like immediately when we first come to him he's berating marlene and just like talking about how she sucks and she's not good enough and she never does anything right where he's supposed to be this figure of love and religion and it's just this uh i I really love manipulating yeah Yeah. i i think that was just very intentionally done how we're set up for the first 30 minutes or so just focused on nick cage and um mandy and then we cut to him just being this berating piece of shit totally polar opposite Mm -hmm. um one thing about the the coal and drugs like man the wasp dude (laughs) i don't even know so is that wasp just like marinating in a bottle of acid is that what it's doing oh i just assumed it had like psychedelic venom or that that's what they were thinking yeah I, i have no idea it reminded me of the Gom Jabbar. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just love that. It's just such a small little detail they just throw in, but it just is so awesome. <laughs> the cherry yeah. on top. Totally. It felt very much like if Mandy was a book, it wouldn't have the wasp in it. But when David Lynch directed it, he had the wasp. <laughs> yeah, it's 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, well, are you cool if I talk about the psychoanal- some of the psychoanalytic stuff? Let's do it, my Freudian young brother. So, uh, this is just going to touch on a couple things, because I've read some Freud, but I don't, I don't know shit. Uh, but mm-hmm. when I was first watching it, I had this sense that, like, some of the things that uh, we were talking about, the connections that didn't seem real, were making me think, like, maybe this was all in nick cage's head the whole time which made me start thinking about like psychology and then when the line one of the uh black skulls says you have a death wish and that's when i was like okay this is some freud shit because freud is this whole thing about the death drive so um and then he says uh cage says i don't want to talk about that which is like showing he's oh go ahead no no i was like starting to look through my notes so i could see what his response was uh oh okay i know i wrote that Uh, down (laughs) so yeah he so then Nick Cage says, I don't want to talk about that, which is like, it seems like he's actually joking because he then mm-hmm. says the snowflake line and uses it as a distraction. But either way, it's kind of showing that it's repressed, which is another kind of whole Freudian thing, <laughs> repressing things. So 
started kind of looking a little bit online and uh, that's when I first saw that Beyond the Black Rainbow is about a partially about a deranged therapist and I was like okay this seems legit um so I want to talk about the death drive for a sec because I think this is really interesting so Freud uh talks about the death drive which is also called Thanatos um I think it first is like really explained in his book Civilization and its discontents and it's contrasted with Eros so there's Eros and Thanatos. Thanatos is the death drive. So I'm going to read from this website, uh, genesio.edu. Just a quick thing about those two. So Freud identifies two drives that both coincide and conflict within the individual and among individuals. Eros is the drive of life, love, creativity, and sexuality, self-satisfaction, and species preservation. Thanatos, from the Greek word for death, is the drive of aggression, sadism, destruction, violence, and death. At the conclusion of civilization and its discontents, Freud notes that human beings following Thanatos have invented the tools to completely exterminate themselves. In turn, Eros is expected to, quote, make an effort to assert himself in the struggle with an equally immortal adversary, but who can foresee with what success and with what result? So, I kind of feel like there's a reading in this movie where, like, basically inside Nick Cage's head, he's the death drive, and Mandy Mm. is Eros. She's the creativity and the love. And he's had, like, this trauma from Mm. maybe Vietnam, not sure, whatever. He's, you know, he was an alcoholic, and she's kind of keeping the death drive down. The Eros it, is kind of the part of him keeping that. And then when that's it, gone, his death drive his is death just drive fucking unleashed. His death drive crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, Vietnam vet, why, why do you think that? I don't know. Uh, I, for some reason, felt when he was talking with the guy with the guns and, uh-huh. like, it's 1983 that the timeline would have made sense of that's why yeah. he knows this guy. And then... For some reason, that kept coming up in stuff I was reading, that it was implied he's a okay. vet. I don't know, actually, though. When you just why. said that, the first thing that came to mind was, like, th- that kind of feels right for him and that other guy. Um, just Yes. That that was the first. That was, yeah. So. Totally. But I'm not sure. But it does seem like he's had some trauma that he's putting away. And yes. that Mandy's helping him, like, not go back to whatever old stuff, you know, not bring it up. I did a little more. I was reading about this kind of stuff, and there's this website, taylorhomes.com. I don't know anything about this guy or this website, but I found this thing about Carl Jung. So I don't know much about Carl Jung, except that he was Freud's disciple, broke off from Freud, talks about, like, the collective unconscious and shit. Um, and... Never got old, famously. Everyone <laughs> always says, young, that guy is young. That's what they always say. Uh, he's really into, like, the archetypes we all share in mythology. Also, his work was, like, taken up by the Nazis. So, you know, it's problematic stuff with that. But, I mean... So was a lot of people's stuff, you know? Yeah. I was going to, like, yeah, well, Hitler was a vegan. So, that, does that mean all vegans are Nazis? <laughs> First of all, he wasn't. Or vegetarian. Yes. Yeah. But also, lots of cool shit's taken up by Nazis. That doesn't make the shit not cool. I know. I know. You know? Yes. Um, Nietzsche was taken up by the Nazis. He's fucking yes. cool as hell. Um, although he's sexist. So so there's a time where fucking Young started kind of going nuts. And he, or that's what I would say, he like locked himself in a cabin and was having crazy 
like hallucinations that he was recording and he was self-inducing hallucinations in order to try to get Mm. to the center of his unconscious and there were like demons and shit coming to the doors and he wrote all this in a book called the red book red is the main character of this movie there's red all over this yeah i was gonna say also the main color of this movie (laughs) yes and the chief spirit who came to his door was named abraxas oh shit boom crazy right that has to be intentional right i know it has it feels like it like that's yeah. two names red abraxas fucking demons all the the death drive i don't know death. so wow yeah <laughs> trippy right yeah totally um so i don't i don't know enough about this stuff to dive into like i mean maybe we'll touch on it later much of the stuff but two of the things that jumped out to me as freudian is one i already mentioned that he fucking comes when he kills jeremiah like to Freud, everything I, is sexual. Uh, I what? Or he sounds like he's coming. Okay, he crashes okay. his head, and then he has what sounds like an orgasm. Like, I mean, it's a natural reaction. Yes, totally, totally. Because <laughs> Freud was right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in case people don't know, like Freud was reduced everything to sexuality. Every symbol in your dream that looks anything like a long thing is a penis. Like, everything. The list in the book Interpretation of Dreams, the list of amount of things that stand in for penises in dreams is, like, like 60 things long. It's, like, umbrellas, sticks, like, arms. I mean, (laughs) that's why I'm a very huge uh, uh, follower of Freud, because, I mean, checks out to me. Yeah. Totally. When I look at a map, like all those lines, like indicating borders, <laughs> so much of penises. Totally. So to me, the biggest Freudian thing in this movie, other than what we've mentioned, was the chainsaw fight. Because mm-hmm. you have, right, he's a logger. Mm-hmm. The chainsaw is like tied to his manhood already as a logger, and it's phallic. And then he goes against what? A bigger chainsaw. <laughs> Held by also, like, a more muscular and bigger guy than him. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, uh, we'll touch on maybe other stuff as we go, but that's pretty much all I had for the psychoanalytic stuff. I just thought those... Yeah, it was too much to be accidental, it felt like. Yeah. That's a lot of crazy stuff that I would not... Obviously, uh, like, 99% of people have seen this, I would never have occurred to me or known about. That's Thank you. Totally. I think sure. everyone listening to this should give a collective thanks to Rabbit right now. Unless you already knew this. Oh, or stop. Stop, everybody. Hey, stop. <laughs> no, you're driving. Be careful. Stop it. <laughs> oh, come on. Wait, they can thank you while driving. It's not. That's not dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting, oh, now you're getting pulled over. Okay, do not talk to the cop. Do oh, now not the cop's talk. thinking. Now the cop's thinking, Rabbit. <laughs> oh, rabbit. Shit. I oh, now I'm pretty I, suspicious. <laughs> that means I did something wrong. <laughs> Dumb cop of the week, that guy. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about some of these characters? Yeah, I love characters on Netflix. Uh, geez, the show Characters. Is that a show? It was like a one season thing. It was basically, they had like six different comedians each do their own episode where they had the 
means to do like their own kind of skits. Uh, Henry mm. Zabrowski did an episode. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, oh, speaking of which, I heard that last podcast on the left had an episode where they interviewed the guy who made the Cheddar Goblin commercial in this movie. Yeah, that I fuck. I forgot to watch Too Many Cooks. Um, I haven't seen that for years. Are, are you familiar with Too Many Cooks? Yeah, is that the same guy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Casper oh. Kelly, I think his name is. I was okay. when I told you to watch too many cooks, you didn't question it, so I figured you you knew why I said that. I wanted to play it cool. I figured there was a connection <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> um, wait, did you rewatch too many cooks? I did not. Okay, I've never gotten through all of too many cooks. <laughs> it's been so long since I watched it. I've I've been meaning to, even outside of Mandy, to, to give it a rewatch. But uh, it's funny when I when this first when this movie first came out. One of the things I always heard was people talk about, oh, the Cheddar Goblin. Cheddar Goblin's great. I'm not even sure if I knew that it was supposed to be a commercial within the movie. Um, yeah. But I just always heard about, it, like, oh, the Cheddar Goblin's, like, the best part of the movie. And when I went to see this, and um, when the animation came up after Mandy died, I was like, okay, this seems like a good time to go to the bathroom. And then I came back. And then I finished the movie, and I was like, where the fuck was the Cheddar Goblin? Oh, no, did I miss the fucking Cheddar Goblin? So I didn't see the Cheddar Goblin for years after I first saw this, and it was very upsetting. And I had no idea uh, it's, what it was. It's brilliant. It's Yeah, it's, I, I love it. It does <laughs> stand out a little as, again, like, this isn't real. Like, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> but it's great. Um I, uh, one of my friends I went to see it with this last week, they said when he's going to grab his axe from the biker's, uh, trailer, uh, there's some boxes of Cheddar Goblin there. Nice. I, when I was just rewatching it, um, uh, for the, when I was taking notes, I didn't notice it, but it was also in kind of a smaller TV and the lighting wasn't the best, but I, I assume my friend is not lying when he said he saw the boxes of Shredder Goblin. So, yeah. I mean, it's a big, it's a statement about, you know, consumerism and yes. the state of, uh, you know, just uh, what we're doing to our kids as, yes. a, country, as a nation. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but, but as a side note about things they see on TV, Mandy and uh, Red are watching the movie Night Beast earlier in the movie. Oh, nice. Which... Uh, are you familiar at all with Night Beast? Just the tiny clip in this movie. Okay, it's it's a movie I might I might choose at some point. It's it's just a fun kind of bad B movie by Don Doler, who's a, a no budget uh, Baltimore director. Uh, but J.J. Abrams, I believe his first ever credit is on Night Beast. He nice. when he when he was like sixteen or something, he worked he did the soundtrack. Interesting. Yeah. Wild. But it's it's a fun kind of bad movie. Yeah. Hell yeah. It looked fun and bad. All right. What do you got to say about Mandy herself? I dug her. Uh, she would be... I want to be friends with her. Um, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, except for maybe, like, steer her away from Motley Crue. Uh, but... Um, Fair. <laughs> Friends can uh, have faults. You know? I know, I know. <laughs> but uh yeah, she's just awesome, um, all around and uh 
totally get why uh, Red loves her. Yeah, um, for sure. I, and I, I, I think the best part about her is, or my favorite part is when um, Jeremiah is just like you know they they drug her, they kidnap her. Obviously, this is something that that they've probably done before, and it's it's worked on other people. And he he gets naked and exposes himself to her, plays her his, his fucking music, and she just is just does not give a fuck, just fucking laughs at him and yes. just tears him down, just like probably the most hurt anyone's ever inflicted on him until his yes. skull is crushed by red. Um, and I just, that is just such a great, perfect reaction from her. And I, I love that. Yeah, totally. Cause in, in some ways we don't know much about Mandy, but we know she's an awesome artist. She's got good taste. They have a cool house. She wants to live in the woods and just like chill. Mm-hmm. But like, there's a little bit of a hipster vibe. So you don't know like how much of this is, you know, deep down and how much is you just wanted to be cool. And then that you're like, Oh, this is, you're fucking awesome. Like, fuck yeah. this dude, you're not going to play <laughs> along for a second. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, Super sick. No, even just, yeah, just no, no fucking care. Just, uh, fuck yeah i you i mean you said it perfectly i don't know what i'm trying to add on but i i loved it totally um and also man she's got a stare they utilize that stare yeah for sure um awesome eyes too i like her eyes yeah um yeah there was something about like I don't know. I mean, she definitely felt kind of like Red to be having dealt with some trauma, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's implications. I saw some people mention that she's like, you know, supernatural or something. There's a weird, interesting, like walking out of the water and there's like the fire. And then also like, I don't know about supernatural, but there's just like a an aura of like almost perfection around her. And like when she sees the baby deer that's like dying, it's almost like this thing that breaks this perfect world. Like she can't even understand it because she's so like purely awesome that I don't know. Well, well, the, I think it was the next scene after finding the baby, the deer dead is where she talks about the starlings, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, which was and, just a very insane story. Shitty father. A really bad father. Um, it was, it's interesting that, like, I didn't think about this till now, but the Starling, she refused to do it. She refused to yeah. play along. Yeah. Just like she refused to play along with the Oh, cult. wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when I first watched it, I actually read the Starling thing as, like, a threat to Red, which I don't think it was. But, like, he says... I think sometimes we should leave here or like, mm. sometimes I think we should move. And she says, let me tell you this story about my dad, who we had this perfect thing, these starlings, uh-huh. just like we have this perfect house, but he uh-huh. didn't like it. And he fucked it up. We have this perfect house. Don't fuck it up. I don't, I was really high and that's how I read it. And then as it went on, I was like, that doesn't fit, but that's yeah. it was just kind of an interesting juxtaposition. I, I don't think that really fits either, but that is, uh, that is an interesting thing just to consider and, for sure. That I would never have thought of. For sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. that. Yeah, two... You're right. They are right after each other. Two things with dead animals in a row. One must have triggered the other. Yeah. 
coming um, up with the other. But we're just kind of spitballing kind of different perceptions you could have. But maybe that um, you talk about how she might, she seems to have some trauma in her past. Um, you know, that might be implying that her father was uh, in some ways abusive. Uh, yeah. I mean, trying to get people to beat a fucking baby bird to death with a your, your daughter to beat a baby dirt yeah. bird to death with a crowbar implies that maybe not the best father. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. And from like a, a Freud interpretation of dreams looking way of it, a lot of trauma we can't face. Our brain won't let us face because they'll think it's too, it's too hard. So it'll mm-hmm. replace, I forget the term he uses, but it'll replace it with something yeah. else. And that's a very dream thing. So like, you know, instead of talking about her dad beating her, it's this mm-hmm. memory of the starlings that she's like uh, condensing those two things together. Um, oh. I don't know. Trip. Yeah. Um, Should we move on to Red? Yeah, I just want to say, just once again, she's awesome. Uh, and she's deserving of uh, the titular role. Uh are you familiar with this actress at all? I, I probably should have looked Not, it up. Uh, she been, you know, of anything else? She's. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I. I know she's been in other stuff, but I don't know what. Yeah. Okay. I. I didn't even occur to me to look it up or anything. So I was just curious. Um. And I like it when uh. Later in the movie, when the title card comes up of Mandy, and it's just like oh, super yeah. metal. Uh metals uh text of her name it's just cool as hell so that's a pretty good transition to one of the things about red is he forges that axe and that happens Mm. right after he forges the axe um and i read that the forged axe which i can't believe he just has access to a foundry but that's a whole different thing (laughs) is supposed to look like the f in the metal bands logo of celtic frost oh Um, shit yeah, and then as soon as that happens, it says Mandy, and it's the fucking black metal logo and shit, which is kind of that's, cool. That's brilliant. That's awesome. Um, um, on another weapon-related thing with Mandy, she says, like, what does he say? Jeremiah says, like, what does it look like? What do you see? Or what does it seem like to you? And she says, seems just, like the Reaper's coming. Yeah. And the Reaper's the like, crossbow. Oh, shit. God fucking damn crazy. Yeah. <laughs> But that, yeah, I love that he. She's like, looks like the Reaper's coming, and he's he's like, well, I recognize you, and in time you will come to recognize me. <laughs> oh, God, God I hate that guy, pretentious fuck. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, but she's yeah, right on both levels. <laughs> that's fucking awesome. That she's uh, she probably realizes that Red's fucking coming for that ass, and uh, yeah. Gonna, gonna show him the reaper um totally i was gonna say another kind of uh connection between title cards and red or not title cards but the uh uh little things thrown in there is that whenever there's an animated sequence of her it's when red's dreaming which oh i, I thought was pretty neat um, that is cool yeah it's like whenever he's passed out or asleep uh it does the uh, it does an animated segment with mandy I didn't catch that. Those animated sequences are pretty cool. Yeah, I. It's just very, it's very strange and out of place that they're just thrown in there. Yeah. But it just uh, 
it, it totally just works and fits the vibe of the movie. And uh, I, I, the animation is pretty cool as well. Totally. Well, I mean, other than making cool weapons, the trauma stuff we brought up before, his love for Mandy and mm-hmm. killing fucking almost everybody. I actually <laughs> don't have much to say about Red because we cut. I don't know. He's just like. He's just the fucking death drive, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I. He fucking rules. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Uh, I mean, it, let's just, just give some uh, some hats off, some applause for his Nick Cage. Uh, he is a very singular, unique actor who is simultaneously the greatest actor ever and the worst actor ever. And he kind of melds that into the, just like, he just always does these great unique performances and uh, he does it here. And it's just, yes, I don't know. It's, it's awesome. He's just, he is a beaming light on in, in the film world. And he also seems to be a cool dude in real life. Um, I don't know. There's probably stories. There might be stories I don't know about, but just he seems like a pretty cool and vibing dude. Totally. Uh, so Rob from the Tokyo Lives podcast uh, mentioned that if we're talking about Nicolas Cage, we should talk about his acting style, which is called the Nouveau Shamanic, which I had to look <sighs> up because I had no idea what the fuck Rob was talking about. I didn't um, even. Did he say in the tweet that it was his acting style? I don't remember. Or not tweet. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Whatever he said. I don't know. The it was reply, a text yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember, but I looked it up, and basically he says that he's not like – he doesn't like the term acting, uh, Nick Cage, because it implies that he's, like, lying. He thinks he's, like, a shaman that's actually channeling that person, and he says some really, really crazy shit. And <laughs> I think rather than us trying to, like, kind of go into it now, that we should just have Rob on, as we said we were going to have him on sometime anyway, and do a Nick Cage movie and really dive into this idea. What do you think? Wild at heart, baby. <laughs> yeah. That's a uh, No, I want to do the one where, where he steals the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Double feature, baby. All right. Sweet. National treasure and wild at heart. Um... Well, Rob, if you're listening, we hope you'll join us for for something. Hell yeah! yeah. Uh, when he when he said that with the Nouvelle shamanism thing, I did not realize that was the acting style. I thought that was just kind of like a, a new age religious type of thing. That he was like, "You should talk about this in regards to Mandy." Um, mm, so that gotcha. that completely changes my <laughs> my perspective of that comment. <laughs> totally. Any other Red stuff? I mean, I feel like a lot of the stuff when we're talking about other characters is about Red's interaction with them. Um, but, yeah. Should we should we just move on or should we keep it on him? Yeah. Um, I did think it, it was interesting how he was like, we, we should move. Um, and Mandy was like, why would we do that? Because as a viewer, you kind of agree with her. Like, why would you do that? Uh, yeah. I, I, I kind of wonder, like, what... I guess it could be... It, I'm sure it gets it would get pretty boring, um, but... Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, I don't know. I it must be a kind of weird life to just be cutting down the forest and then going to live <laughs> in the forest in this house. Like nothing about their life makes sense to me. Like how do they afford that house? She work. He's a logger and she works at a fucking convenience store. Yeah, um, I mean. It's in the middle of nowhere where no people live, so that would, I guess that would make it cheaper. Also, maybe sure. they did they did their own work, kind of building it. Who knows? Super um, nice house. Yeah, that um, that house is fucking rules. Um, which which is just hammered home because the the visual style of the movie just makes it obviously look adds yes. on that that super touch to it. Yeah, but, I don't know. I it's hard for me to think of anything like that in terms of like them as real people and what he's thinking. I'm just like, Oh, this is, he feels a bad vibe coming or, you know, uh, he's, he's the death drive. So he's trying to destroy the good thing. And she's reminding him to keep the good thing. Like, I don't, I don't fucking know. Uh, Yeah. It does come out of nowhere. Um, yeah, I guess let's move on from red. Okay, so for Caruthers, his friend that he goes and gets the, the Reaper from, I don't really have anything to say about him other than that he's played by Bill Duke, who is in Predator, and I was like, hell yeah, that's the dude from Predator. <laughs> I like I've never guy. seen Predator, but yes. Oh, man. I said, oh man, that, that's the guy from Predator, my favorite movie, when I saw him, so I completely <laughs> see where you're coming from. We should cover Predator then, dude. That's a fucking movie. Yeah, um, we should cover it real, very slowly. Very slow. Uh, one of his lines has stuck from that movie has stuck with me since I was a kid. He says, you give away our position one more time, I'll bleed you real quiet. That's just what I meant. Real quiet, not real slow. Um, oh, wait. you knew that. That's him. Yeah. <laughs> I only know that because you said that to me like a couple months ago. But that's the guy. <laughs> It's yeah, just, okay. that's great hell yeah i think i said uh, it on this podcast <laughs> yeah I, we we already kind of questioned earlier like they were vietnam um they went to vietnam together uh it, it yeah you really wonder like what exactly is the reaper why does this guy have the reaper um and why is he making bolts that can pierce bone uh, but oh yeah yeah um well because there's, there's predators no, that's that's a good point. Maybe that <laughs> shit. Maybe this takes in the same takes place in the same universe as Predator. That's the thing that he has trauma from. Yeah. <laughs> hunted, <laughs> being hunted by the Predator. <laughs> Damn, dude. I I I might regret saying this, but I, it's my pick next. I think I might have to do pre- Predator. <laughs> Fuck. I'm down. I've always wanted to see it. Hell yeah. Um, okay, what about, let's go into the children of the new dawn. I mean, we've said a lot about Jeremiah already, but fucking Jeremiah, dude. Oh, oh my God. He's the worst, just the most egotistical piece of shit. And I mean, like I said earlier, just, it's so, it's so crazy how he's just this, he sees himself as this figure of a new religion and, uh, um, this Christ-like character, and he's just such a piece of shit. Not even in the sense of I'm going to kidnap this person and and do that. Just in this, he just fucking treats everyone around him like shit. Um, and, and he's his, pathetic. Like yeah, and he's completely he's, pathetic. He's not yeah. even like talented and amazing. And he treats people like shit. He's just <laughs> a sad, sad piece just, of shit. Yeah, I love that one. Uh, 
Red fucking grabs. He's doing this whole speech about how great he is and how lowly Red is. Then Red just fucking grabs him. He's like, "Oh, I'll suck your dick, man. Is that what you want? Yeah. I'll blow you." And then, but then he has this thing like, "I'm fucking Jeremiah," and he like, I think he even yeah. like starts to try to like stand up. And he's like, "No, you will back down. I am." Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then it just fucking crushes his skull. Um, I mean, I, I, I feel yeah. like he is just the personification of ego in, like, the ter- mm-hmm. egotistical sense. Like, he has to have things he sees because, you know, if they're not his, then they're, like, it's not okay. And he's jealous of Red's love. And, like, when, like, he set up this whole room when he kidnaps her where he wants everyone looking at him. He wants everyone listening to his music. He wants everyone seeing him and he displays his fucking dick for her. Yeah. And he wants them to all be in awe of how great he is. And then she laughs at him and (sighs) he's like, uh, I forget what he says. He's like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Because he's such a fragile ego that it goes from everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. Oh, one person laughed. Nobody look at me. No, it's pathetic. It's so yeah, pathetic. Yeah, it's completely pathetic. And uh, there's a great it's it's uh that thing I just mentioned where like he's he immediately kind of was like I want to suck I'll suck your dick and then like he tries to great the put that courage back in him stand up. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a reflection of right after this scene he goes to the mirror and he's just like tell me what to do tell me what to yeah. do and then like all of a sudden that yes. kind of clicks where he's just like putting this fake uh bravery in him and he, he, i forgot what he says but he's just like ah, I'll, I'll know exactly what i'll do type of thing where it just kind of uh clicks at the end of that it, it uh, i wish i could remember that quote but um yeah it seems to be a reflection exactly of that end scene totally that makes sense uh, for sure yeah he's he's like looking in the mirror and it's like he's He's asking for the image of himself that he's that he believes he has to tell him what to do because inside him there's fucking nothing, you know. Yeah. Um, and his music, by the way, is also <laughs> just uh, fucking nothing. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> I, I love it, that how. Yeah. I love that how he's. They've seen her in a black Sabbath shirt and a Motley Crue shirt, and he's he opens up like, "Do you like the music of the Carpenters?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's just like he's such an idiot he doesn't notice that yeah. like of course she wouldn't like that oh barking up the wrong tree bro i this is just kind of connection connected to him not fully but i i don't know where else to bring it up but because i'm on this like weird you know this is all maybe red and like maybe jeremiah's his ego and he's going inside himself i just gotta note that the the temple at the end is like the walking into it is way too long for the size of the temple. Like it doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense. And it's like this pink canal and it just feels very like vaginal. It just feels like he's going mm-hmm. into a body. Like it's just a trip. I know some kind of Manson things, Charles oh, Manson totally. things there, which I don't know if it's just because it was very, just because there's kind of a formula that cults tend to go by, but also some things like he talks about the poor stupid pigs born without yes. souls like that felt very manson and just uh the music being re- rejected by the music industry um for sure uh, kind of uh, turning out 
some music that isn't bad in the sense that it kind of it's not bad when you put it along with what he's trying to emulate. Just what he's trying to emulate isn't the greatest, I guess. Like, like Charles yeah. Manson wasn't the worst songwriter, but it's just like no. wasn't anything particular special or well, good it, about it, what he was doing. It's like also it's you don't have the confidence to be like, I make good music and I like it. So that's cool. You're judging yeah. yourself against this fucking stupid industry. Yeah. And then your whole yeah. worth is tied up into that. And then, oh, no, the industry didn't like me. So now I'm going to fucking <laughs> be a cult leader. Like, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so now he, he has to find it because he's all about how great he is. He has to find another way to prove he's great, which is by making yeah. all these other people worship him and think that he's like a new messiah um, so he can go around to controlling them. At least he has control over somebody. Uh, and to convince himself that this is what was meant to be. Yes. Like, I, this is the path I was always supposed to be on. And it's like, dude, it's okay. You made music that didn't catch on like fucking grow up yeah here here's a speech to mandy when i was at the bottom of the pit screaming in the darkness racked with unspeakable pain for having been denied all that was rightfully mine he graced me with his light his hot loving light it flowed over me like the pulse of a timeless wave a wave of pure heat a main line of pure and total acceptance and he talked to me addressed me as a friend he said Jeremiah, they were wrong, and you were right, so right. And he blessed me with his holy kiss. He said, you are not separate from all that is, so all that is, is yours. And he gave me his deepest and warmest permission to go out into this world and, and take what is so very much mine, all of it mine, my wants, my needs, my pleasures. It's just... What was the, uh, near the beginning, wave of something heat, what did he say? Um, it flowed over me like the pulse of a timeless wave, a wave of pure heat. A wave of pure heat, huh? Bring yes. on the warm jets. <laughs> hey, bring on the the fucking skull crushing cum jet. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I that's what I always say when I'm getting down and busy. <laughs> Thanks for rereading that just so I could do the joke. I was trying to hold on to that line the whole time, and I couldn't remember the one word after a while. I was like, wave of whatever heat wave. Hey, bro, we had that uh, making LSD without gloves on telepathic connection. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> um, oh. But yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of obviously just the main cult hits in there. But yeah, I, I did read some more pronounced kind of Manson uh, references there. For sure. Yeah, unfortunately, he couldn't uh, try to start a race war because he was too far in Northern California where there's only white people. So <laughs> <laughs> not true. It's not only white people's stereotype making fun of. Um I don't. I don't know. Fucking Jeremiah, dude. I fucking hate that dude. Should yeah. Should we move on to his, his he's minions? Fucking despicable. Um, he's the worst. Did you know just, Nicolas Cage was supposed to play him first? Yeah, yeah. I did just read that the other day, um, which is crazy. Uh, I'm glad that's not how it worked out. Yeah, this guy did uh, every. All the actors in this did amazing. Oh, like, totally. Like each one would be the standout performance in a lot of movies. Yes. Um, this guy sucks. I hate him. And any <laughs> yeah. other movie he's in, I'll be like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> I like how, um, when they were like burning Mandy alive, he was like shirtless. Like 
is like very much he wanted to be kind of show his 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 greatness just being shirtless while shirtless while everyone else is clothed in this uh fucking setting um it seemed very much on brand for him just trying to distrut how great he is i guess totally and at the end he was fucking naked yeah <laughs> same same uh um, he just he loves himself dude he was like man he didn't like my penis Maybe the guy coming to kill me because I killed her well. <laughs> um, but yeah, Red just kills him super easily with no with no kind of a fight, which is actually a theme throughout this. Like even the the bigger fights, like with the bikers and stuff, Red never struggles them with him too much. Like the third one, a little bit, but for the most part, he kind of really fucking rocks him pretty quickly, and then uh, with the. Uh, like the biggest fight was probably like the chainsaw fight, but yeah, I, you never really feel like he's in that much danger throughout this in the sense that he just really fucking just has a death drive and just murders. Yeah. Um, he, and he, it doesn't seem like he gives a fuck if he loses like, yeah, he, other than him wanting to kill everyone. He's not like yeah. worried about himself. Totally. All right. Uh, well, speaking of really good actors uh brother swan was fucking gnarly yeah uh he's great (laughs) so not great but i know what you mean yeah 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 uh he just really acts that that role great of just being the the top syncophant to the 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 self-proclaimed messiah (laughs) yeah when when uh uh, when you're first meeting him and Jeremiah's like, I need the girl. And and I just assume Brother Swan would be like, that might be difficult, sir. But he's just like, it is done. And whatever. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And and- like, do you have the Horde of Abraxas? Like, of course I fucking do, bro. <laughs> I yeah. Was and that then shit. Uh, Jeremiah's like, why don't we toss in. Um, once again, going back to the juxtaposition between the love of Mandy and Nick, and then uh, uh, how this character is supposed to be in the embodiment of love and acceptance, and immediately in the first scene we're introduced to him, he's like, why don't you toss in the, the porker or something like that yeah. for to sweeten the deal? And then Brother Swan's just immediately like, yeah, that lard ass would never see it, see it coming. He's so fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, or like that's a great fucking idea. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oof, they're bad, man. They're... Yeah. Um, his death is great though, where he's against the tree and he feels he thinks he's saying he knows he's gonna die, but he's gonna like I'm gonna deliver this last great kind of fucking line that will cut this guy down and. Nick Cage doesn't even fucking hear him out. He just puts the axe handle through his mouth and kills yes. him. Love that. Another great scene was when uh, they have to wait for the Horn of Abraxas and the guy's doing the window up and down. Excellent scene. Like, the <laughs> acting made that scene work. That that character, his slack-jawed performance is so... He, yeah. he just looks so perfect. Um, have you... Have you seen that video of the libertarian debate where uh, they're debating? Um, oh my god, I know exactly what you're gonna say. <laughs> he looks, he looks like exactly the like the guy who's like, "You need what's next? You need to have a license to to put toast in your toaster." Yeah, totally. <laughs> he looks totally. exactly like that guy. 
Oh. <laughs> uh, what do you think of Mother Marlene? She's very sensual. Um, uh, I. It worked for you. Called... Yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah, I thought it was very funny how she's selling herself in the cage. Like Jeremiah says, "I'm the greatest lover he's ever known." When what we see from their uh, relationship is that Jeremiah just treats her like complete shit. Uh, yeah, and wants to sleep with Sister Lucy. Yeah. Not- yeah, yeah. And not her. Um, uh, you can definitely tell she has lots of anger and jealousy towards Mandy because that's uh, obviously Jeremiah's new favored, favored woman. Um, yeah, that scene where you could tell that where they're in the kitchen is so brutal because it's just like, oh, this is how fucking power operates. Like mm-hmm. the the CEO is fucked up to the branch managers the branch managers fucked up to the floor managers so the floor managers fucked up to us like (laughs) yeah way to connect it uh, to the political themes (laughs) um but yeah i mean it's an obvious note but once again cults like uh the cult leaders kind of monopolizing sex and uh uh forcing either through force or coercion uh uh people to uh meet his sexual desires or whatever that's yeah obviously she plays a big role into that but um she seems to be much more a believer of the whole thing than the other uh the woman in the group uh lucy um i mean lucy just feels like she's gone like the lsd she's just gone i and i don't know i kind of felt with her I, I got the vibe from her that there was a part of her that knew that this was all wrong. Um, sure. Maybe you're right. Maybe she was just completely gone, but there, I, I yeah, I well, don't know. Well, she wasn't I, playing along the same way, so I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like, like and I, I felt, felt like that was one of the reasons why Red kind of spared her, was that um, there was a part of her that just knew that this wasn't all right, uh, and, and he kind of innately felt that and saw that um plus he he saw more how she was treated with that scene where jeremiah made her hold the gun to her head yeah um which and he could probably see in her eyes like you're saying that she didn't she wasn't into it it's just like what the fuck else is she gonna do yeah but that's just another thing about jeremiah where he's like you think you and mandy love each other so much uh lucy will show you love she'll show you how much she loves me and it's like that's your idea of love is forcing someone to potentially kill themselves over you for no reason at all just which really to me feels if we're going into freud again a combining eros and the death drive you know show me your love by killing yourself fucking yeah yeah trip but that yeah that was fucked up i'm so glad that didn't have any bullets i wonder if she like knew that or not did it not have any bullets or was it just like russian roulette and oh i I thought it was russian roulette oh shit okay that makes sense oof man i miss all the boys i used to play russian roulette with (laughs) r.i.p these are the good old days (laughs) yeah Hey, I mean, uh, you know who hey, won that? you and I were born winners. That's all I can say. <laughs> totally. We don't born winners. We made ourselves winners. <laughs> Lady Luck. 
<laughs> um, you want to talk about the black skulls? Um, yeah, I mean, once, like I we were talking about with the, there's like this implied lore there. It's just like, you kind of like want to know more about them. They seem like these awesome characters. Uh, but yeah, I guess, uh, I've always been pretty carefree with acid. Maybe I should take it a little bit more seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't turn into one of these guys. I've had some friends go off the deep end and unfortunately <laughs> and it's it's not it's not fun and but not like this man. Uh, yeah. I'm assuming that I, this is not an like I don't interrogate my friends as everyone knows. So feel free to just not answer the question, but I I is this what you think of as like the monsters of the movie? Yeah. Um for sure. I actually because it's been a few years since I last watched this, I kind of just had it in my head. Uh, I, I forgot the whole, like, they they tripped out and turned into these characters. So mm. in my head, I just remembered they were summoned by uh, a horn, and uh, they came and they kidnapped and killed or whatever. So I guess in my mind, it, it, yeah, in my mind, there were more, <laughs> more of a, actual monsters than than humans turned into these uh uh crazy creatures because <laughs> even if they're not cheddar goblin counts so you're in the yes, clear that's that's a good point <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean at this point what's the difference in a movie like they're monsters yeah and they're they're just they're just sadism they're just they get so much pleasure yeah. um, and math they're sadomasochistic right because he said they really like they, the pain they, they are in a world of pain, and they fucking love it. Uh, <laughs> so cheesy. I love it. <laughs> um, they love it slowly. Very slow. Whatever the... It's quiet. Real quiet. <laughs> quiet. Very quiet. <laughs> it's because they don't want to get caught. Yes. Because of the predators. Okay. That makes quiet. sense. Because predators pick up a noise. Um, they're, they're alive. Yeah, they hear stuff. Yeah. Uh have you seen the Hellraiser? Are you a Hellraiser fan at all? I haven't, but it's very okay. clear these are yeah, Hellraisers. These these characters are seem very much based on Hellraiser. Um, those characters, uh, the Hellraiser. I mean, visually, obviously, but also Hellraisers. They're um, goddamn. I'm trying to think of what they're the the name of the monsters are in that, but I can't think of it. But anyways, the those the bad guys in those movies, they're. Uh, very sadomasochistic, um, mm. all based around sadomasochism. Uh, and these guys are obviously very much based on the them, which yeah, I, I sure. love the Hell, Hellraiser one and two are just fucking all time great movies. Uh, and the third one's a fun campy movie. Nice, yeah. I've heard I've heard good mm. things. I just don't like yeah. his face, so you know, because <laughs> you're afraid of. of you're afraid of um acupuncture Spiky faces acupuncture <laughs> oh yeah that's why <laughs> my lifelong fear of acupuncture can be tied back to when a babysitter put on hellraiser when i was a kid <laughs> yeah i mean they they're yeah i think the best because like honestly their costumes are awesome that how they're all kind of different is awesome but they're like they're the fights aren't that great to me. They're fine, mm. but the cool thing is what you're saying is like the implied lore, like the they're coming, yeah. and then he like drinks the jar and is like more, and they have to give him blood, yeah. and it's like what the 
fuck is yeah. going on? Like, you're so gone that you're this, but you still have this, like, weird con- mystic contract that happens when the horn yeah. is blown, where, like, what? It's like, and you could, it would kind of, like, make more sense from, like, from a perspective of you're actually living in this world of, uh, these people make up this myth about them, but they don't know anything about this myth. They're just, like, bloodthirsty things. But obviously, they themselves also buy into this myth where they're, like, blood for blood, more. And they, it, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Totally. Like, they're very conscious that they're these kind of uh, mythical creatures themselves. Uh, which... I mean, yeah, it's just, like cults or like yeah fucking kkk like you put magical elements in it to hype yourselves up and like you know there's a lot of arguments that a lot of religions it's like everybody in it has doubts from the highest Mm. to the lowest like but you're all agreeing to play this thing and so like you believe it too and so it's like whether it's you really believe it or you made it and you're playing along you don't know anymore after Mm -hmm. a while maybe you yeah. know, plus all the acid. So <laughs> all acid and Coke, lots of Coke and pornography. Yeah. Um, do you, uh, do you think they purposely chained red down with the things through his hands like Jesus because it was religious symbolism? Oh shit. Like it was there through we go his hands. That, that brain's going off again. That brain's going off again. And this right after Easter. Um, dude i watched this movie on easter and it was the perfect like i was just like oh that's, that's awesome that's the movie i'm watching tonight my friend the friend's over we're gonna watch it and i was just like this is the perfect easter movie like yeah. this is it's now you have a movie to add to your uh easter um traditions yeah totally it's such a long list now it's this <laughs> and uh critters too um and mother vs godzilla of course yeah uh but when I first saw this, I was disappointed in the fight scenes with them, just because, like I said earlier, Red never really seems to come up with against that much of a um, resistance yeah. to him. He kind of dispatches against his threats pretty easily, but I felt I this time I've rewatching it, kind of felt like it worked a little bit more with me. I wasn't as disappointed, um, and maybe because, like we were talking about, it's because. I innately felt that Nick Cage was the um, personification of the death drive. And uh, oh, yeah. so that he's he just it's a fucking force that can't be stopped even by these crazy acid bikers. I mean, he cuts them down like he cuts down trees. It's just yeah. what he does. Yeah, <laughs> totally. All right. Uh, the chemist. The guy so- fucking rules. <laughs> does he though dream job it's so gnarly like why does he have to be in that weird room i don't know why don't... does he have to have a tiger and test his acid on the tiger <laughs> i oh i didn't think he tested it i thought it was some mythical mystical thing where he's like when i'm making the acid if she's chill it's good <laughs> i thought it was i test it on her and if she's Ooh. chill then uh, it's fucking good <laughs> so I think, like you said, there are psychic implications. I read it as he's so fucked up, he's projecting on to Nick Cage. And so, like, inside, he feels guilty about having the tiger. And so he's like, you're right. Oh, my God. But really, it's just all him. 
That is actually what I thought for a while. But okay. then I was kind of just thinking about how when he's specifically like, oh, man, they did you wrong. How they? Why they have to go and do you like that? That kind of mm. felt like maybe there was something more specific that he was kind of receiving of uh, what happened to Mandy. And be, with the way this movie works, I think it's all of the above and E. Like, yeah, and more or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering, uh, like, is he the guy that turned the bikers into what they are? The, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. you think he is? Yeah, definitely. Okay, uh, this movie's just too self contained, and he's like, there's a guy mm. in the woods who makes acid and bad batch, and then he knows they did you wrong, so he knows who they like. It, yeah, I think he is. Yeah, I mean. Um, why wouldn't it be? Yeah, of course he is. That was a stupid question by me. Well, I mean, no, there's a lot. Th- th- this movie leaves a lot open where, you know, <laughs> there could be interesting meanings in it not being him, too. Uh, so he sp- Red spares Sister Lucy's life. Do you think he spares the chemist's life? I think he does. The chemist okay. didn't. I don't know. I didn't think the chemist seemed like that bad, that bad of a guy. Um, he created the Black Skulls. <laughs> Right, but if I remember correctly, he created them. He because they were, they were. They said they he like. There was some problem between the two of them, and he just basically oh. created a bad batch of acid and gave it to them. Um, oh, not like okay. he was trying to turn them into some demons or something like that. Um, okay, but basically they were like couriers for him, and they they. They fucked him over in some way, so he gave them bad acid. That that's what Did, I got from it. That makes sense. We didn't even mention that the craziness of like, man, imagine writing this movie. The Black Skulls are just a biker gang who took this acid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I mean, the the only really bad thing on the surface I really see from the chemist is obviously the um having a tiger, which you may or yeah. may not test acid on. Uh, but then like <laughs> right away, he's like, oh shit, that is horrible that I'm keeping the tiger here. All right. I'll let the tiger go. <laughs> totally. Like, which implies that, you know, he isn't that bad at heart, I guess. For sure. Oh, what a weird life that dude must have. Yeah. Like, but it, it feels like a lighthouse keeper. Like, where do you live, dude? <laughs> <laughs> that might be my favorite scene in the movie. Um, it's just yeah. so... It's so out of place. Like we're never like led to expect that we'd ever even see the the chemist. Um, and then yeah. all of a sudden, here he is with a fucking tiger in this insane room with uh, and he's just telepathically communicating in the cage. I don't know. I thought it was just amazingly yeah. done and just uh, perfect. Yeah, it's it's a good one. I love that Red just stops. Like he yeah. matches the tone of the room, and he doesn't say <laughs> shit exactly <laughs> yeah it's pretty good and it it follows the theme of red covered in blood covered in clothes meeting up with people wearing almost nothing yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man i just can't imagine how fucking fried he must be to be dipping his hands in that much acid all the time dude like oh. <laughs> yeah just it's perma so fucking fried <laughs> so beyond like 13 floor yeah. elevators like so fucking god yeah i mean that's why you can telepathically communicate <laughs> yeah totally 
Um, he is a snitch, though. I mean... <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, I, technically, he snitched on somebody, but there's people that should be snitched on, so... He also only snitched... All he says is North. And <laughs> 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 that's like, got it. It is the most <laughs> ambiguous snitching ever done. <laughs> He's like basically just like, keep going the way you were going, dude. Like, <laughs> the road, follow it. Yeah, that road you've been driving on? Driving on a little bit more. <laughs> man, all the shots of driving on the road look so cool. Man. Dude, this... it fucking rules. The, well, the, I mean, visually, there's so m- perfect. Yeah. There's so much to talk about with this movie. Um, looking at the themes we have written down, I feel like we covered all of them already. Um, I, I think so. Yeah. Um, if you disagree, tweet us at, at ElonMuskTwitter.com. Yeah, that's the... <laughs> um, so, uh, closing it out, uh, the music, man. We haven't really talked about the music. Yeah. Uh, the music is... Shit, I don't have the guy's name down. Um, I think it's Johan Johansson or something. Yeah, Johan Johansson. That makes uh, way more sense. Yeah, the Swedish composer, I think. Um, yeah, this was this movie was released after he died, and this is one of the last couple movies he he scored. So, you know, I think it's important to to note that this movie is dedicated to him, right? Isn't there? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think this, this music, it, it fits fucking perfectly. It's, it's this great kind of combination of like a drone, but then there's like these kind of metal elements that kind of appear, um, throughout. Uh, and it's just, it's so perfectly fitting for the movie. Definitely. Um, and this guy, I guess he worked a bunch with, uh, Denis Villeneuve, who, uh, is the that's director so, of Dune. That's um, so interesting because I was about to say that the drone aspects kind of reminded me of Dune. Well, he didn't work on Dune because he was dead. I know. But it, it kind of sure. makes you wonder, like, would he have? Uh, well, and like, was, was, I forget the name, the really big guy who did Dune, who, what was he was trying Zimmer? to do what this guy would have done? Because the music in Dune yeah. is a lot like the music in uh, Blade Runner 2049, for instance. And maybe it's kind of yeah. his homage. Because yeah, that music fucking um, sick. And so is this. And it totally reminded me of it. Yeah. Because he did like four or something movies for, for that director. So That makes sense. Um, yeah. It, it probably very much. I mean, maybe even, you know, a director was like, hey, listen, this guy wants something along the, 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 the veins of that. Um, totally. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, well, R.I.P. Yeah, I good work. Definitely important to, to note the music and and the composer. So yeah, R.I.P. That guy rocks. I was gonna say favorite shot. You said you don't really have one. I I can't. There's so many. I mean, there's like when they're in the boat with the water. There's the last shot. I can't. Yeah. Like every shot is amazing, dude. Like yeah. I can't. Um. What do you? I, got? I, I, I was, my top shot was uh, the when Jeremiah is doing the speech and his face just melds back and forth with Ma- with Mandy's face, nice. um, and this big black eye staring out. Oof. Whether his face, yeah, I that I love that shot. Um, yeah, this 
style over substance. I don't think that's the case. Even if it was, this style is just fucking amazing. Uh, yeah. Just, um, and then the other, my next shot was uh, one of the last shots where it's the uh, primordial sky. Um, or maybe that is Hell the last yeah. shot of, uh, it, it, yeah, it, I think the car is driving and like it pans up to like the sky or something and it, you see like couple planets and like the the mountains kind of reaching out and the brownish golden sky it's very much obviously supposed to be uh that scene in the book that she reads from earlier in the movie and totally it, it fucking totally it nails that vibe hell yeah uh what would you say was your dumb cop of the week um well as a side dumb cop of the week i just want to give out a a classic dumb cop um the great twitter handle gators daily tweeted out that classic video of uh those cops putting the gator on like the back of a truck and the gator fucking tail whips them and knocks the fucking guy's ass out uh hell yeah so just want to give a classic dumb cop uh recognition to that and then my dumb cop of the week for the movie is uh jeremiah himself just uh that self-importance yes. and ego and the feeling that you have um, control and domain over everyone around you. Uh, very, very cop-ass mentality. Fully agree with that. Fully agree with that. Um, I'm going to say in addition to that, I'm going to go with Mother Marlene because okay. she's like yeah. getting treated like shit. You know, a lot of cops are taking their fucking shitty childhood, shitty parents, shitty like outlook on life out on people below them. And that's, I think, kind of what she's doing, where, like, Jeremiah's a cop, and so mm-hmm. she's treated like shit, so she's going to treat other people like shit, you know? Totally, yeah. All right, let's rate this movie. Um, I'll go first. I am going to yeah. give this movie one jar completely full of whatever the fuck that shit is. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm giving it. I, right. It's not, like, a perfect movie. I wouldn't... I wouldn't the the jar's not overfilling, but for what it is, it's perfect. Like for what yeah. it's trying to do, you couldn't I wouldn't change a thing. It's great. Yeah. Um I completely agree, except for my jar is gonna be full of wasps. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean I love that both of ours, that's like a good rating. You're like a jar full of wasps, five stars. Right, but wasps have been marinating in acid. Or or just, they are acid. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah this movie just, it, it does what it's doing perfectly. It's, it's an incredible to look at. Getting to see it in theaters uh, twice now, like I, I feel very lucky. It's a great movie to see in theater. Um, I Nick Cage is a wonderful actor, and I'm glad that he gets super unique roles like this, where I don't think you see many kind of like legendary esque actors kind of taking roles like this. But Nick Cage. Yeah not only seems willing to, but he seems to love it. Like there's a recent Q and a with him where he was talking about how he thinks pig was his greatest performance of all time. Um, and, uh, I haven't seen pig yet, but 
I mean, that's just a more kind of obscure, low-budget movie, and it's just great to see him just embracing the love of the art itself. Um, with, and the, no matter what you think about his acting, he puts his all into every fucking role. Yeah, 100%. Um, totally. Uh, I really want to see that new movie, The Unbearable Weight of Talon or whatever it is. Um, but that, that's been getting pretty good reviews. Uh, but, but, but yes, amazing movie. I say check it out. <laughs> Sweet. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, we are done. That's the end of the episode. You can find us. Yeah. Uh, you you can find us on Twitter at no gods pod or at elon musk at twitter.com uh you can email us no gods pod at gmail.com and if you want to support the show you can just uh share drugs with your friends but also like watch their back carry narcan learn how to use it be a be a good supportive member of your community hell yeah um i was gonna say and then you can tweet me or DM me at Elon Musk at Twitter, but <laughs> you kind of uh, covered it. You, you covered it. <laughs> sweet, sweet. Well, it's good. We double, double. We'll put that in the show notes too. Just check it out. <laughs>